1: we're now entering a critical thinking zone so thinking caps are required beyond this point from deep behind enemy lines deep
2: in the heart of the midwest it's your host andrew coppins
1: and it's time for critical thinking
2: What's up, everybody? You know the drill by now. This is Wednesday. That means it's a WTF Wednesday. I'm Andrew Coppins. He is Pat Oni. You can follow me at The Coppins Show. You can follow him at The Pat Ony Show on social media. And of course, the show can be found at criticalthinkingshow.com or, or at criticalthinkingshow on Instagram. That's right, folks. You can follow us on Instagram for now uh, until we violate whatever bullcrap term um, <laughs> comes out there. But anyway, um, we have a jam-packed show, so we're not going to, um, how shall we say this, um, fluff around the edges, because we have a lot to talk about. It is a jam-packed WTF Wednesday, and we're going to start with um, one of my favorite people in Congress, one of the truth tellers of Congress, and that is Congressman Chip Roy, a man that while I don't always agree with because I feel like he has... Some things that are non-libertarian about him, and here's a shocker, he's conservative, not libertarian, so therefore that shouldn't be all that surprising, I do respect an individual who comes with ideas and hopefully a plan to execute them. So I thought in the front half of the show, what we're going to do is go through his commitment to America or standing up for America plan, whatever he's going to call it. Um, but he put this tweet thread out. Um, yesterday um, as we were recording the show of course um, and told us exactly what he would do in certain areas of the commitment to America that uh Kevin McCarthy put out last week and he put his own so I think we should highlight that just as we talked about Rick Scott's plan earlier this year um, we're going to talk about Chip Roy and So first things first, he talked about making the economy strong, and he says that we must commit to doing a couple of things, okay? Really, Um, probably about five or six, right? But the first thing first in making the economy strong, commit to balancing the budget in 10 years and appropriate to it, meaning stop spending money we don't have. So you have a budget, you appropriate that budget based off of the numbers, that's it and it's balanced in 10 years. Number two, unapologetically expand reliable nuclear and gas energy by opening federal lands and permitting. Okay, let's just take those. I think that's a great, great start to this idea. Let's go ahead and try to balance the budget. Is it realistic that the balancing of the budget can happen overnight? No, it is not because of how deep of a hole we have dug ourselves through both Republican and Democrat administrations. I love the appropriating to the budget, meaning we don't spend money we do not take in. I like expanding reliable nuclear and gas energy because there are clean gas energies out there, reliable gas energies out there. Nuclear is the safest, most reliable, and by the way, most renewable, ironically, of all of the resources that we have at our disposal today. It is more reliable and more renewable than wind. It is more reliable, more renewable than solar power by thousands of times. And gas energy allows us to slowly transition into and figure out how to get to reliability of some of these other energy sources. We just haven't figured that model out yet. But until we do, we have to realize that we need these gas energies. Any, any quick thoughts there, Pat?
1: I think this sounds great. Um, I, I think, you know, balancing. A, I mean, we, I've advocated for balancing a budget for, for years. Yeah. So it's always nice to, you know, that that there is at least somebody in Congress that that wants to do that. Um, there, there's also nice that someone wants to make us energy independent. I mean, heaven forbid that we do these things Yeah, and stop spending money that we don't have, by the way.
2: Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there are some good things here. Um, I'm not going to complain these about any ideas. of these things. But mm-hmm. he continues in the make the economy strong category, committing to, thirdly, end subsidies distorting uh, toward unreliable energy. And that is ending the subsidies for things like wind and solar, right? Where, I mean, Solyndra, anybody? We could talk about all these subsidies that are out there that are pushing people into unreliable sources of energy again i am not against any of these energy pieces they must be reliable before we flip the switch and they're just not yet fourthly he continues use federal investment power and sec regulatory power to end the anti-free enterprise woke esg constraint on capital. All right, so I'm going to take that last one. I think number four, I think three is easy. Number four here, my libertarian leaning says that more government regulation is bad. I think this is, as long as we are not using new laws, this is good. Because what if we talked about here, Pat? The answer to some of this is to create alternatives. The answer to some of this is to is to put to flip the script on them, right? To be able right. to put people like, for instance, the the DRLL, right? The drill um, EFT that's out there, exchange or ETF, excuse me, the exchange uh, traded fund. And what that is is basically one of the biggest capital venture. Uh, people out there, one of the biggest hedge funds out there, are taking the ESG blueprint and flipping the script on it, putting and investing in companies to help them get rid of the ESG, get rid of the woke capitalist, the crony capitalist, the fascist uh, parts of our society. Because like we talked about yesterday with fascism, their, their attempt to marry the public and private is fascistic. And there are plenty of BlackRocks and Vanguards and, and others out there that through ESG, through their investment portfolios, are taking these companies' boards over. So this is a way for federal investment power to be used to say no more. I don't mind that because the reality is that the federal government has investment power. I don't mind this. What say you, real quick?
1: I don't mind this either, and I don't think things like ESG should ever exist. I don't, I don't believe in that kind of thing. Like, I don't think just because you have certain thoughts or certain opinions should be used against you in terms of your ability to take out a loan, your ability to make money, to provide for your family. I, I, I don't believe in those kinds of things. Like that, that's absolutely ridiculous. Get rid of it.
2: Yeah, 100%. He continues on, though, on a new topic uh, to make the nation safe. We must commit to secure our border now by, number one, using the purse power to require turn away or full detention. No exceptions. And I like this because what does this do, Pat? This means that we are going to turn them away at the border instead of catch and release here in the United States. And we are forcing the federal government to understand the full implications of detaining these people at the border. They're going to house them. They're going to feed them. They're going to go through all of those things as they detain them. What is less costly of those two? Likely the turnaway, but we'll mm-hmm. see. He continues saying, number two, uh, tightening asylum and eliminating loopholes, and number three, building the wall. Slash roads. Okay. Um. Has building the wall worked? I don't
1: it, think it's worked. I don't think it's worked in the way people would like it to. Okay. I also think it's been more costly than, than what people would, would like it to be.
2: Now, he continues on, by the way, Pat, to talk about uh, some more commitments in making the nation safe. And and I think what we should do here is take the totality of what he had to say in each category. But he says, number four, commit to rhetorically support police. Number five, overhaul the FBI and DOJ to target organized crime, cartels, human trafficking, and fentanyl. Number six, unwind grant money subsidizing woke DAs and local governments. Number seven, restore a strong non-woke military by defunding CRT and radical gender policies, ending VAX mandates, and adopting a clear mission for our service members with robust power sparingly used. Number eight, protect American farms, ranches, and food processing centers from foreign, especially Chinese communist, control. Number nine, withholding money from the UN, the WHO, and NGOs at odds with American values. Okay, so on the totality of this, I think this is a good framework to work from because he's hitting a lot of the foreign policy as well as the internal issues facing America. But I'm confused by rhetorically supporting the police, but we also have to overhaul the FBI, the DOJ, um, and all of that sort of stuff. Um, Now, I do recognize that he's talking about their mission, right? Right. But doesn't the Department of Justice have a mission in civil rights? That's for all of us, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I like unwinding grant money subsidizing the woke DA's and local governments but but I also look at this from a perspective of what are we doing granting money and subsidizing any district attorney in America what what is the federal government doing handing money to these people period doesn't matter if they're woke or un- unwoke right doesn't matter what why are we why is it the federal government's job to now dictate your politics because this is just the do this is just exactly the reverse of the other side in my book
1: right i mean this is this is dictating basically your state and local politics right what, mm-hmm. what, what role does the federal government have in that
2: i mean it's not just that it's what are what is what is um chip roy and what are the republicans and libertarians pissing and moaning about
1: mm-hmm. the
2: politicalization of or politicization of the DA's offices, the the Department of Justice, right, more broadly. And it's because they've been able to use grant money and subsidized money and George Soros-led money that they've been able to do this. So what is the answer? The answer seems to be, tow the America first line and we'll give you money? No. End all grants and subsidies. End them all. Get out of being political when it comes to
1: justice. Anything? Any other comments here? Uh, again, I think it's a good framework. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold some of, some of my commentary on some of these until we're, we're at the very end. But I do like the framework of what of what what's here. All in all, there are th- I think there are some things that are questionable that, like you're pointing out.
2: One of the things I will say in this make a nation safe category is I love the fact that he looks at the American farms, the ranches, the food processing centers and goes, wait a minute, how come the Chinese Communist Party controls a lot of this? Uh, A lot of people are not aware of how much control they have over our food production. Yeah, get them out. They have no business in that. Yeah. If you are. If you are a foreign company at odds, or a foreign government that is at odds with American, not just values, but um, capitalism, out. See you later. Um, no investment. See you. Bye bye. Um, I, I I just I struggle with this because I also understand that as a free marketeer, well, somebody sold that company or companies to willing buyers and bidders is it is it on us as a government to dictate how that goes down i struggle with that concept because there are certain values and principles would, would you would you be okay with us selling to the north koreans our food production no right And that's always what I bring up to libertarians is look, there are free, there is such a thing as a free market. But when we come to point blank capitalist free market systems, right? Because what we're talking about here is the selling of a business. We're not talking about trading goods and services anymore. We're talking about a physical business. There is an interest for the American people to have done right. To do this correctly, there's an interest to the shareholders of that company. And and just depending on how it's all set up, right? Like I have, a, I have a, I am in an incorporated business, right? I have a fiduciary duty to do right by the shareholder. And now the shareholder happens to be myself in that business. But if I were to bring others into the business and want to form that full-on partnership, we could do it that way. Um, but it would still be my fiduciary duty to do right by them. And maybe this is where we kind of come into the concept of we have to understand and and look at it from a perspective of we don't sell to the enemy. Right. Now, what is that enemy? I, I don't know. And I mean sell your business. I'm not talking about trade. I'm not talking about goods and services. I'm not talking about that. It's very simple. You don't allow them to control the levers of food, the levers of energy, the the basic necessities of American life. The enemy doesn't get to control that for you. That should be a basic tenet of business values. Now, let's go ahead and talk about building a future on freedom, which is another aspect of this from Chip Roy. He notes that we must commit to establish healthcare freedom for all by taking on big healthcare. Okay, how are we going to do that? Number one, empower patients and doctors through expanded personal health savings accounts and direct medical care. We must also commit to overhaul the public health apparatus to decentralize it, end COVID mandates, prohibit blanket pharma immunity, reduce emergency powers, and limit gain-of-function research. Continuing on to building a future on freedom, we must also commit to establishing education freedom to empower parents over bureaucrats with full transparency and choice by block-granting federal money to states and requiring dollars to follow the parents. We also must commit to end woke and divisive government Marxist-derived CRT and radical gender theory by passing laws requiring colorblind policies, policies rooted in biological truth, and ending ESG. All right, so let's stop there. This is where I think I have quite a bit of qualms. So um, let me see what kind of time we got here. Okay, so I want to take it this way. Healthcare freedom. We're going to empower patients and doctors through expanded personal health savings accounts and direct medical care. How are you going to do that when Medicare is the biggest subs- subsidy out there? Are you going to dismantle um, the rules around what is and isn't allowed to be charged and how much you're going to make from Medicare? Because if you talk to anybody who's a doctor that runs their own practice or runs the practice that is involved in this, That's their number one issue is that they're getting paid 75 cents on the dollar, right? And they're being forced to take these patients on in some cases. There's a lot taking on big health care. I think you're missing the mark here. Um, You're missing what is actually going on. I love um, expanded personal health savings accounts. I really do. I love that idea. I think it's good if we were to have skin in the game as consumers of healthcare. Um, because if we understand prices, if we understand what's going on, again, we get to a more closely related free market economy. What we have right now is a cartel in healthcare. We really do. It's you as the consumer and you as the um, person that you would like to trade your, you know, so their services for your issue, right? You're both being bent over the barrel of Insurance, insurance is going to pay you what they're going to pay you. Medicare is going to pay you what they're going to pay you, and you must figure it out. But what if I could save my consumer money, right? And we've talked about these, um, these not share, but um, these kind of subscription-based um, primary care uh, facilities and what they've been able to do, right? They've been able to bulk purchase certain services and. Actually save the consumer thousands of dollars. For instance, an MRI on average in your current healthcare system, in your health insurance system, costs over a thousand dollars. In some of these bulk buy situations, it's three, four hundred dollars. Is that not savings to you? If you knew that you if your insurance had to pay out a thousand dollars for that, but you could get it for three or four hundred dollars on your own. And you are in control of the dollars that go into your services and your needs. Does that make more sense? Hell yeah, it does. All right. So I I just, I think we're missing a a component here. I I get overhauling public health apparatus as well. um, But decentralizing it does what? I, I don't know what this is going to accomplish. I love ending blanket pharma immunity. I love... Reducing the ability to use emergency power. But Congress didn't do, Dick, to do that during the COVID nineteen when the uh, era, and they could have. During, the time in which they held all positions of power. By the by, Donald Trump could have easily said, "Yeah, no, we're not, we're not doing that." Didn't didn't do that. Limited gain of function research, love it. Um. Education freedom. I, I, I'm what I am struggling here is I understand what Chip Roy is doing by practically saying we're going to block grant money back to the states. How about this really rare concept? Why are you taking money for education at the federal level ever? What? what how about you call for the end of the Department of Education, <coughs> or at least an overhaul of its mission? And also, well, to the people who say, well, what about um, you know enforcing Title IX or this or that Department of Justice? We have an apparatus to deal with some of these issues. We have apparatuses in place or apparatus in place. I just, I like the dollars following the parents, but hear me out on this. What if you just gave the dollars back to the parents to begin with and let them choose how to best fit that into their family's life and then allow the states to take on more power or not more power, but more of the funding apparatus, if you will, or the local school district doing that as well. I, I don't understand this.
1: Which yeah. would also allow the parents to make education decisions for their kids and also be able to send them to the best school or right. whatever educational system they want to send them to with what they can afford and what is convenient for them. And woke and divisive government. Uh, you know,
2: like some of these, I feel like we're just platitudes here. I, I don't understand this because how do you end divisive government isn't the point of government divisiveness isn't it supposed to be um a deliberative body in the senate isn't it supposed to be about deliberation division and then eventually compromise yes so there's what are gridlock. we doing here Now, I can understand the, how do you end woke government? How do you end CRT, radical gender theory? Passing a law that colorblind policy, what? How how do you do that? Are are we saying that all resumes must be colorblind and therefore, like, you know, we've talked about this on air, um, you know, how a lot of people in the HR area Will, when they're screening applications, they have software and they have whatever they're doing that will eliminate the actual name of the person so that they really are blind to whomever this person is, right? Because there are sometimes indicators of what race or nationality somebody might be based off of their name. And and I, I get some of this. Is it good to look at biological truth? Is it good to look at being a government that is colorblind? Yes, because that is true equality, not equity, equality, because there's a difference. And I'm struggling to see how these things would, from a government perspective, work, but... He had a little bit more, so let's get into the final section here um, that he had, okay? How does that sound? He says, to make a government accountable. So after building a future on freedom, we have to make government accountable. We have to commit to, number one, empower Congress over bureaucrats and end executive branch abuse of power by passing laws to enable firing of bureaucrats and rolling back presidential emergency powers. Um, this brings up separation of powers issues in my, in my view, uh, but we'll talk about that later. Um, number two, he says that we have to commit to change house rules to require in-person voting, no proxy voting. We have to amend bills and restrict active stock trading. So we have to change the house rules to require in-person voting, no proxy voting, um, change house rules to amend bills and restrict active stock trading. I like all three of those. I think that is that would change things quite a bit um, real fast when you have to be there in person, real fast when you um, are changing how the amendment process to bills works. Um, now, they also talk about restoring faith in elections with same-day voting and limited mail-in voting. And finally, uh, well, the final two, commit to Fully exposing the public health failures, misinformation, and lies surrounding COVID, and defund those responsible. And lastly, defund the eighty-seven thousand new Biden IRS
1: agents. Um, I I generally like all that stuff. Um, I I think uh you know no proxy voting. Um, heaven forbid you show up to actually do your job in Congress. Yeah, well, because
2: what's what has happened is they used the covid-19 restrictions right they used right. those kind of things to now do what pat this has become a game for them to proxy vote meaning they're not actually going to vote they're they have block granted basically their voting power to other people and that's in this and by doing so They have skirted the purpose of Congress. This right. is the people's house. And you are now giving your voice to somebody in your district, right? So, for instance, Jan Schakowsky, who is god awful, is my representative in Congress, right? Right. I'm sorry. But so I know, right? <laughs> um, what do you expect? Right. Uh, but she then proxies her vote to somebody else. So somebody who doesn't represent me, that the very micro level doesn't represent me, gets to vote for things based off of my behalf. See, Congress is supposed to have been the close people's house, right? Right. And that's the reason why they're up for election every two years. Right? Is that they need to be held accountable to the people. The reality of the situation has become that my my power, my ability to understand what my congressperson is going to do, right, and has done is gone. You handed it to somebody else. You handed my freedom, my voice to somebody else.
1: That you had no say in putting there in the first place. Now, I would argue the answer would be for
2: everybody who who happens to agree upon the basic frameworks of the American Republic to vote every single one of their asses out of office. But is that realistic? Especially in a place like here in Chicago, where Jane Schakowsky runs unopposed every single time.
1: I mean, you could change that. Um, No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs)
2: But I understand what you're saying, but she runs unopposed because nobody wants to run as a Republican in that district because they would never win, right? Mm. So I understand that, but at a bare minimum, I should expect that my representative does their job. And if you are unwilling to do your job and you're passing the buck off to somebody else, because what we've ended up here with, Pat, is really just a system in which those who think alike politically just basically block grant their votes to to a caucus, if you will. That is not how the system was set up, and that's not how the system is supposed to work in any way, shape, or form. But for the past two and a half years, that's what we've had, and... I think it's important that everybody in Congress be held to account for that. The pandemic is over. Uh, I mean, for crying out loud, all the mandates are gone in Canada. Canada has their mandates gone before we do. That's insane. Because they've been more insane on COVID restrictions than we have. What the hell are we doing? On the whole, though, as you look at this in its totality, Pat, final thoughts on Chip Roy's um, "Stand Up for America" commitment to America plan.
1: Well, so so this was this was my my overall thought on this. A lot of these, a lot of this was great ideas. I like a lot of what he has here. This is far better than than what Kevin McCarthy released last what last week. Oh my God! Far when, better. When you
2: when you hear the. Prime Minister of Italy speak mm-hmm. about God, faith, you know, faith, family, and country, um, and and give the speech that she gave as she was elected as Prime Minister, the first female Prime Minister of Italy, by the way. And then you hear Kevin McCarthy's commitment to America, milly mouthed bullshit. Come, oh right. my God!
1: Right, but but here's the thing: if you listen to Friday's show. You know the, the the red wave that is coming is not going to save us, right? I I say the same thing here to Chip Roy, and I respect the hell out of Chip Roy, by the way. He's one of the few politicians left that I have any kind of shred of respect for. I, however, question: How are you going to execute all of this? How?
2: Yeah, no it's a Do it's we- a very it's a very fair point because in order for this execution to happen you have got to not just have the house not just the senate and by the way the senate on a 51 52 basis because you've also railed against the the lack of the filibuster right when it comes to budgeting and and all that stuff okay and then you also need the presidency you think joe biden and his puppet masters are going to sign any of this Right. Uh, hell no. no.
1: No. Is it gonna so, be veto proof? No. No. So so here's here's my problem is that yeah, you, you've got a lot of great talking points here. Mm-hmm. But right now, that's all they are. They are only talking points. Mm-hmm. I and this is this is why I'm so sick and tired of the GOP. Yeah. Because as great as Chip Roy is, is this really at the end of the day, while an idea better than Kevin McCarthy. Is it any more effective than what Kevin McCarthy put out at the end of the day? No, it's not.
2: Yeah. And and I think you also have to look at the balanced budget side of things. And, and somebody in the comment section of, of Chip Roy brought this up, and I think it's a really good idea. Balancing the budget is actually the wrong focus. Because your budgetary numbers are just going to continue to climb, 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 right? Over time. But it's actually reducing spending. Because what we have to do is propose total spending that goes down in actual dollars. Not just in the reduction of, of deficits, right? But actual dollar spending goes down. Less spending means less government and more economic freedom. A balanced budget guarantees neither. I don't disagree with him. I I think this is some sort of a compromised position here. I I really do. I I think this is, we have to take a look at, you know, we're we're expecting a trillion dollars more in tax revenue this year than last year. Um, I just saw that come across my screen this morning. Okay, so as we take a look at those things, What are we doing here? Yeah. What are we doing here? Because we got a trillion dollars more. Okay, can can we take that trillion dollars more of revenue and and apply it to our $31 trillion deficit or national debt? And that would be my suggestion. Take that extra trillion dollars and do something to help alleviate some of the other issues that we have it would take us 30 years. If we if we just applied $1 trillion of what we take in revenue in, it would take us 31 years today to do that. Could we have that type of a commitment? I think that would be a great commitment, but it would also mean an actual reduction in the dollars that we spend every single year. Because there's no guarantee that the revenue to the IRS is going to continue to climb and climb and climb. Now, That all having been said, Pat, this is a WTF Wednesday. Do we want to play the B or not the B before we head into the WTF? I think we should. All right. Let's go ahead and do that. It is time for us to play the B or not the B. Ready for today's headline? I'm about as ready as Joe Biden is to get off stage.
1: So pretty ready. Okay. Um, Today's headline. Man transitions into woman after accidentally taking his wife's multivitamin. Man transitions into woman after accidentally taking his wife's multivitamin. Is this the B or not the B? And folks, it's Wednesday. It is a WTF Wednesday. But if you're anything like me, you're not a morning person. And we record pretty early in the mornings. And while I can't. I really wish I could have me a cup of coffee right now.
2: Especially since it is National Coffee Day, by the way, Pat. Oh, it is? Mhm. It is National no. Coffee Day today.
1: Oh, no, well, if it if it is National this is even better then. So, it's it's National Coffee Day. Therefore, you really ought to go to americanprideroasters.com and support a small local business out of Iowa that makes historically great coffee and is the official sponsor of critical thinking so go to go to americanprideroasters.com select your favorite flavor if you haven't tried it before select a lot of different flavors to try and see what you like they've got all sorts of different flavored coffee they've got your traditional stuff they've even got coffee drops if you're into that kind of thing go to americanprideroasters.com that is americanprideroasters.com man transitions into woman after accidentally taking his wife's multivitamin is this the b or not the b your answer, Andrew Coppins.
2: Oh, that softball continues to just fly out of the park. Get up, get up, get out of here. Gone. In the words of Bob Uecker, uh, this is the Babylon Bee.
1: You know, it's 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 a shame that your your Brewers couldn't hit like that for most of the season oh, and gosh. therefore make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're right. This is the Babylon Bee. Local local man Terrence Bilkerson successfully transitioned into a woman recently after taking his wife's multivitamin. The transition occurred instantly after he grabbed the wrong bottle of vitamins, being distracted by that idiot referee who made that confounding call in the fourth quarter of Sunday's big game. Terrence knew the transition was real, when he turned to his wife and asked she had, a, had heard the juicy gossip about the Hendersons next door. It was that it was at that moment, thanks to Centrum Women's Daily Multivitamin, that Terrence asked to be called Teresa, she her. Don't you dare call me Terrence or Terry unless you want me to beat your face and said Teresa on her Facebook post announcing her new identity and obviously experiencing a few transitory hiccups between being a sensitive emotional woman and a violent manly man. As a woman, I feel free from the the shackles of taking out the kitchen garbage and mowing the lawn, yet oppressed by society's severe lack of 13 stilettos representative of Centrum could not be reached for comment at publishing time. Teresa's wife, Gloria trans transitioned instantly into a man when Teresa asked what she was thinking about. And she replied, nothing. Ay ay. yeah, yeah. Do you know what the, uh, the, uh, uh, problem what this kind of stuff is nowadays. No, Pat, I don't. It, it, it's, it's, not, it's not that um, satire is is too close to reality. It's that reality is too close to satire. Good point, sir. Good
2: point. Speaking of that, it is also time for us to uh, move on to uh, WTF Wednesday because uh, reality is satire. <laughs> And as we know, on WTF Wednesday, this is usually Pat's territory, and I throw a story into the mix. And I'm going to do that up front here, Pat. Um, Believe it or not, this is a thing that went down yesterday is talking about Hurricane Ian, which is, uh, unfortunately for me, uh, bearing down on Sarasota, Florida, where my brother and and his girlfriend live. Um, So um, last update, they were doing fine. I haven't checked in because I want to make sure that uh, his cell phone, you know, stays useful. Uh, for real emergencies um, as they need to, but uh, as that's, as this thing is making landfall, um, it looks like the eye of that hurricane is heading right in their direction, um, so prayers to them, thoughts, whatever you guys want to do, uh, that would be great, grand, wonderful, um, but as that hurricane is bearing down on the state of Florida, um, Don the Lemon had this to say. Can you tell us what this is and what effect climate change has on this
0: phenomenon Well, we can come back and talk about climate change at a later time i want to focus on the here and now We think the rapid intensification is probably almost done. There could be a little bit more intensification as it's still over the warm waters of the uh, Eastern Gulf of Mexico, but I don't think we're gonna get any more rapid intensification. If you look here, you can actually see, pretty interesting for your viewers, you can actually see a second eye wall forming around the inner eye wall, and that's basically the second eye wall has overtaken the original eye wall, and that should arrest development. Uh, so listen, I just, I'm just trying to get that you said you want to talk about climate change, but what what effect does climate change have on this phenomenon that, that is happening now? Because it seems these storms are intensifying. That's the question. Here. I don't think you can link climate change to any one event. Okay. On the whole, on the cumulative, uh, climate change uh, may be making storms worse. Uh, but uh, to link it to any one event... Um, I, I would caution against them. Okay. Well, they, uh, Listen, I grew up there, and these storms are intensifying. Something is causing them to int- intensify. So this storm is just its a massive one. Its effects are also being felt uh, in the southern part of Florida. What about the areas that, that may not be taking a direct hit or experiencing the storm surge, like on the west coast? How much will the rest of the state be impacted? Okay. Well- yeah, that's actually a good question because um, we flip out to this other graphic. You can see uh, this orange area is the size. So if you think about how big the wind field is and you can just see how big that wind field is relative to traditional hurricanes. And as that moves up and over the Florida Peninsula into the southeast United States, you can see this big area, uh, blue area, of tropical storm warnings. Um, so it's really going to be a big event for not just.
1: By the way, uh, Ian has up, been upgraded as of this morning to a Category Four.
2: Oh, I'm well aware of that. Hmm. Yeah, Category Three of last night, or Category Two yesterday morning, Category Three by yesterday late afternoon. Now Category Four this morning. Um, so yeah, they're 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 in for a world of hurt on that eastern part of uh,
1: southern Florida. Correct me if I'm wrong, though, Andrew Coppins. Don't hurricanes usually intensify before? fizzling out yeah
2: usually they intensify before that eye wall um you know
1: makes landfall and and, and correct me if i'm wrong but have there been less hurricanes this year or more hurricanes this year
2: right i mean we could go is weather climate climate weather you know i the reason why i brought this up is did you see the national um i forgot the guy's name but but the guy that was on there from the National Weather Service, right, or the NOAA, uh, National Oceanic Atmospheric Association, or whatever, the guy that was on there talking to him was like, "Yeah, no, we're not, we're we're not doing that."
1: But, 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 Andrew, um, I I have a question about climate change. No, you don't. But Andrew, I know, I know you said I don't have a question about climate change, but I really do have a question about climate change.
2: We're not here to talk about climate change, Pat. Let's move on to more stories. I mean, seriously, how dumb? How dumb do you? Oh, well, how much effect does climate change? And then he continues down this path. Well, I used to live there, and things are definitely intensifying. Are they? Less hurricanes they? have hit Florida. You know, let, let's do the historical math here. You, you moron! You're a moron. This is I the mean, first hurricane to make landfall in America. And it is uh, <clears throat> almost the end of hurricane season.
1: Yeah. that I mean, granted, you usually get a couple of these every year, at least.
2: So again, cl- but again, Pat, he would tell us that, well, weather's not climate. You're trying to link this. This is the problem that I have. They're trying to take a hypothesis and jam it down the throat. Of the American people, this has to be true because if not, we can't use this for political gain. Nope, this is stupid. This is people's lives. This is their livelihoods. This is their home. This is everything. This is a you're you're taking something that is real. It would be the same thing if uh, you decided to do this with tornadoes in Iowa. Right or in Illinois, or wherever, right? Suddenly, this is all, I don't hear you talking about climate change doing that because it's always been a part of living in Iowa, just as a hurricane has always been a part of living in the southeastern United States of America. If you live anywhere inside that southeastern part of the United States of America in which the Gulf of Mexico is there for you, this is a reality. Oh, and by the way, New York City is in the path Of hurricanes from time to time. Are we to suggest that that's... No. Everything's not climate change. And climate change isn't everything.
1: Right. And with that, Pat, you got some more WTF for us. Well, do you want to stay in politics or do you want to go to sports really quick? Let's go to sports. Okay. Uh, You're going to enjoy this. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson explains how he thinks... The University of Nebraska, the Cornhuskers of Nebraska, the football team of Nebraska could land Urban Meyer. What? Keyshawn Johnson explains how he thinks Nebraska could land Urban Meyer. Why? I have questions How? Here. What? If you have any shred of self-respect left mm-hmm. after having the coach that was Scott Frost and keeping him for as long as you did, mm-hmm. which I'd rather you go back to Scott Frost than <laughs> go to Urban Meyer at this point. You, you're you're willing to sell your soul. To hire a disgraced coach, by the way, and yeah, that has the history that he has so that you could have a, a potentially a winning football team, which, by the way, is no guarantee, regardless of who your coach is.
2: Yeah, because especially in the newfound era of NIL. What does Nebraska mm-hmm. offer that, you know, like they need a unique proposition that they currently don't have. And I would argue Scott Frost could have been that type of an individual for them um, could have to have been that anchor. But the, something was off from that whole situation from the very get go, because you look at Scott Frost at UCF, right? And how mm-hmm. energized he was, how motivated, how <clears throat> much of a face of a program he really was. Right. And then you go to his time at Nebraska and it feels like he just got lost in the shuffle. Um, but yeah, I agree. But also to that point, if you're Trev Elbert, right? You're the, the AD there. You're the one who basically got Scott Frost. And now you're firing Scott Frost, right? Is this what you're going to stake your tenure at your alma mater on? And all no. I wouldn't. No way. Because here's the rub with Urban Meyer. With the exception, with the exception of Ryan Day taking over for him at Ohio State. Name a program he didn't leave in worse shape by the time he left. Bowling Green, worse shape. Utah, worse shape. It took four to six years for Utah to become better again.
1: Mm.
2: Right? They were They were top echelon of the Mountain West and they slid down the mountain. Pun intended, right? For about three to four years before they joined the PAC-12 after becoming a stabilized program under Kyle Whittingham. But he's not the the direct descendant of Urban Meyer at that program. So when I take a look at that, but look at Florida, right? Florida is a god-awful mess. Right. And it has been ever since he left. It really has. They've made bad hire after bad hire after throwing money after throwing money at, at head coaches, and it's just not really totally worked out. Billy Donovan, I think, can can work for them. I respect him as a head coach. I respect um, his passion and intensity, and I think that's something that the University of Florida will need, but they're not there right now, and uh, so I I would caution anybody, and, and I've said this even when Ryan Day was taking over. My question about Ryan Day was, can he survive Urban Meyer? So far, he has. He has so far. We'll see what happens. You know, I think once you flush everything out of that Urban Meyer system, uh, we'll see what happens here. But, but I I would caution against it. If I if I'm Nebraska, I'm looking towards innovators. That's what I'm looking towards. I'm looking towards somebody who is innovating in the sport. I'm looking towards younger energy. I'm looking towards somebody who understands NIL. I'm looking towards somebody who can drive. What's Nebraska? What is Nebraska football? Somebody who gives you an identity. And I'm not suggesting that it's like, well, we're going to go play, you know, Todd Monken Army offense. I'm not suggesting that. What I am suggesting is that there's got to be something that future players alumni want to do with nil you've got to become an attractive now lincoln itself is an attractive place to be by the way you you can sell lincoln all day every day as a college town it's a great college town but my point being is that if scott frost couldn't be successful there you've got to go wholly different i mean scott frost look at josh heupel right josh heupel took over from scott frost at ucf right what right. is happening at Tennessee right now? He's leading a resurgence of that Tennessee program. How did Josh Heupel do what Scott Frost was supposed to do? And at his alma mater, by the way, Josh Heupel's alma mater is Oklahoma. I, I, I just, you, you take a look at the dichotomy of those two, and you have to ask yourself if it's more to do with Nebraska not having an identity versus Tennessee, right? Tennessee has an identity; it really does. And I, yeah, I I don't know where you go. Do you go to a Lance Leopold? Does Lance Leopold want to leave Kansas? I doubt it. He's building something really strong. And the fact that they're not a top twenty-five team after starting the season four and zero, and the way that they started that season four and zero is an absolute shame and a crime to how this voting is done. They're whooping asses, taking names.
1: Uh, they'll be a bull team the way or, they're going.
2: Or as uh, somebody more famous than us would say, uh, "taking asses and whooping names." But seriously, I mean, there. So do you look at that? Right, a guy who builds programs. Right, look at look at what he has done throughout his career. University of Buffalo, um, Wisconsin Whitewater is and was a national power. I just, at the D3 level, he's done it at every level. D3, D2, by the way, where he started out as an assistant coach. Um, D3 as a head coach. The small part of FBS football. He turned Buffalo into a top 25 football team for crying out loud. With multiple first round draft picks, by the way. There's a guy I would immediately go after. I really would especially going into a Big Ten uh, situation in which a year or two from now, I think two years from now, the divisions are going to be gone. Yeah, probably. So you're not just competing with Wisconsin, Iowa, blah, 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 blah. And, and that's a whole nother kettle of fish for me. But anyway, um, any other uh, WTF stories?
1: Oh, yes. We're going to go down this road because, Yeah. Chemical castration and gender-affirming care can be synonymous, leading Transgender Health Association suggests. They can be what? Synonymous.
2: Oh, synonyms. So that would mean that they're the same thing to the group of people telling us that we're not there to castrate your kids, and we're just there to give them gender-affirming care.
1: Gotcha. The bullshit got pretty high in here all of a sudden didn't it
2: yep and and i've known this all along i mean if you just pay attention this is what they mean by gender affirming care they don't mean we're going to give them uh mental health help and we're going to give them some of the tools to cope right right that's not what they mean by that they they mean mean we are going to physically alter your child whether you like it or not i mean you see it when um You know, lives at TikTok. They exposed the University of Wisconsin um, health system for that this week, too. Uh, Last week, it was Vandy, right, with Matt Walsh. And oh boy, oh boy, has there ever been anybody, Pat, in the last, I would argue this, the last 10 years of conservatism, if you will, or libertarian viewpoints, has there been anybody more actually effective than Matt Walsh?
1: Especially in combating the spirit of the age. I can't nope. name a single person. I can't name one.
2: He has taken on the schools, right? Mm-hmm. Look at what he did with uh, CRT and all the things that were going on in Loudoun County, right? I mean, he literally flipped the script on him. Oh, guess what? I'm And now rented a place out. Left it vacant. Rented the, I, I'm a taxpayer now. I'm a resident. You, you've maybe jumped over every hurdle, and I've jumped them hilariously. He's put the spotlight on all of this, and he's actually affecting change. Look at what's going on in Tennessee right now in his state, right, where they're literally looking at putting a bill together to ban this type of stuff. And so his story can be your story. You can have that type of an effect and change. You have to realize the demonic powers that you are up against. They are literally telling you it's just gender affirming care while they're literally doing what? Lopping off breasts and changing parts.
1: By the way, is it really gender affirming care if uh, I am a man that wants to be a woman? Is that really affirming care? What's a gender, right? Right. Gender
2: is... In some respects, a social construct. I will agree with them, but it is a social construct around language. Gender is language, right? Sex. This is the this is the the queer theory, the gender theory crowd's biggest um, lie, is that gender and sex are separate is that you have to affirm gender, is that gender is just a thought. No, it's not. Gender is biological sex. It is also language. Because why do you see the Latina and Latino population just going crazy when these stupid morons talk about Latinx or Latinx, right? They do that because there's no such thing in the language. Because to them, language is gendered. And here, here in the English language world, there's less of that gendered language, but it does exist. It is about affirming and changing gen, uh, language. It is about changing definitions. And we've seen that time and again. One more story, real quick.
1: Biden announced a plan to end hunger. Flood inflation is still in du- the double digits, though. So, um uh, this um, is the same. Pre- this is the same guy that wants to end cancer. No, no, no. He doesn't want
2: to end cancer, Pat. Uh-huh. He said that in his first term they were going to cure cancer. Oh,
1: uh-huh.
2: not end it, cure it. it okay, cure it, he doesn't yeah. want to. He just he doesn't want to work to end cancer. No, no, no. He was going to end it. Period. It wouldn't exist anymore. Kind of like polio. Oh, wait, polio's coming back.
1: yep 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 food inflation is still in the uh, double digits by the way these are the
2: same types of people who believe in and i think i've talked about this but in the zoos right when you've got your conservationist programs right when you hear them talk it's literally eugenics we have to we have to go to a california condor breeding program because why it has nothing to do with them being hunted into extinction or something that man is directly because here's, here's the rub taking away and building population centers, taking away habitat necessarily is not necessarily a function of like, we're, we're doing something bad, right? If that were the case, we we wouldn't be able to build homes anywhere or do anything. But, it's one thing if they're being hunted illegally into extinction or you know people are doing direct actions to take these animals out of the ecosystem, it is wholly another thing to think that you can play God and that you get to tell the world, and more importantly, evolutionary history, which you're supposed to believe in, um, from these individuals' perspective, right? They believe if they believe in Darwin's law, yet they're literally trying to play God with Darwin's law. They're literally saying, no, 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 no. It, Joe Biden is that type of an individual. Joe Biden has always been that type of an individual. He subscribes to that eugenic belief. That is a subset of eugenics, by the way, folks, is the belief that man has full control over biology. And evolutionary biology, right? Whether that comes from the animal kingdom or humankind, they they believe there is a way to create a perfect world. No, there's not. No, the only way to do that is through God and God's will being done. And with that, Pat, your final thoughts.
1: Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And remember not to take your wife's multivitamin.
2: Please be smart, be safe, be kind.